0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Rive Your Life podcast. This week we have a really exciting interview for you all. Um, Ryan joins me in the virtual studio this week for an interview with Mr. Alan Green. He is the Senior Design Director for Answers in Genesis, which is the um, home of the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter attractions down in Kentucky. And here in this interview, we just talk about all things faith Um, coasters, and uh, just fun. And uh, we'll be looking at that. We'll look at um, how he got his start with themed attractions, how he grew that love, Uh, then um, some of his educational um, process of getting to where he is today at Answers in Genesis. And then he'll share with us some of the things going on at the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter. So you don't want to miss that. But uh, I do want to mention this. We have our... First meetup of 2024 coming up, and it is to the art and design studio at Answers in Genesis. Uh, Alan will be giving us a tour, absolutely free, through the studio. We'll see some of the things that they're working on, uh, uh, look at some of the projects, like I said, and just get to see what goes into creating these two state-of-the-art, top-notch, well-done um crafted attractions so you don't want to miss that it is on saturday february 17th at 1 p.m we'll be giving out the location here soon um, but if you are interested at all in joining us for this um, special meetup at the studio as well as visiting the creation museum following that tour um, you can visit our website rideyourlifeministries.com or look on our social media pages at Rive Your Life Ministries. And there, there is a form that you can fill out that uh, just basically gets us a head count of what to expect for this meetup. So it'll just ask your name, how many will be in your group? What's your email address and which attractions you would like to uh, be a part of. Would you like to just do the tour or would you like to be a part of the trip to the museum? And, Again, that's just for our sake of knowing who's going to be there and also um, could open a door for us to get a discount with uh, tickets and things like that. But if you could fill that out, it would be greatly appreciated. And I know this Saturday um, event that we have, this meetup, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know you do not want to miss it. It's a one of a kind opportunity that I don't know where you can get else. So I definitely check into that. But without further delay, let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. And you do not want to miss a second. So go ahead and buckle up because here we go. Welcome back to this week's main segment of the Ride of Your Life podcast or show, whichever one you're listening to. Um, this week, we have a very special guest, and I'm very excited about this one, and um, I don't know how many times I told our guest this um, as we were getting ready for the, this episode. I, I'm so excited for this. I know you all will enjoy this. Um, tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this in the virtual studio, we have Mr. Alan Green. How you doing, sir?
1: Good, good. How y'all doing? We're doing
0: good. And uh, um, Alan, we're gonna go ahead and get started here uh, by having you just tell your tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and um, go ahead and share your testimony as well.
1: Yeah, love to. Well, hey, uh, so nice to be on. Thank you guys for the invitation. My name is Alan. Um, I grew up in the Cincinnati area mostly, and I was blessed to grow up in a family where. Church was a priority to my parents, and so they made sure me and my siblings were there every Sunday. It didn't become real, though, to me until I was nine years old, and I had been curious, wondering about God and all the stuff I was hearing at church prior to that, and my mom just explained to me the basics that God loves me and made me, but that I'm a sinner and I disobeyed. But I could put my faith in Jesus, what He had done on the cross for me, and be forgiven of my sins. So in my little nine-year-old mind and heart, uh, (laughs) I did that. And uh, ever since then, it's been a crazy ride following the Lord. um, Ups and downs, but He's continued to be so incredibly faithful and kind. And uh, today, I just love uh, trying to follow Him. Amen. And.
0: That's just awesome uh, to see that and just the um, blessing of being raised in a Christian home. And uh, that's awesome that you were able to have that upbringing. And um, before we get deeper into your story and where you are now, where the Lord's led you, um, your background has to do with a ride of your life. So to speak of coasters and themed attractions. Um, How did your love for coasters and attractions begin? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think sure. I, I, I love talking about this topic. I'm sure you guys do too. Um, so in the early 90s, I think 92, 93 was the first time as a little, little kid, my parents took me to Kings Island. And at that time, I had no idea what a theme park was or really what the impact of Kings Island to start would be on my life. But um, somewhere in there through the years, that's where it started. I started to just really enjoy King's Island, and uh, (laughs) when I was in my early teens, I would go with friends once a week or so, and I just loved the coasters, I loved uh, that world. When I was in eighth grade, um, my mom set up this career shadow kind of experience with me and a friend, and so we uh, we got to hang out for a day with a guy named Tony Carvalano, who was big in operations at King's Island at that time. And so that was about 20 years ago, and that was kind of my first experience to what the the theme park world looked like from that perspective. I remember Tony walked us around the park, and uh, my friend and I, we were just in love with uh, every minute of that. So when, when uh, I became old enough for a summer job, I applied, worked at Kings Island in rides for four different seasons, um, started out at Face Off and Congo Falls. Back then it was Face Off, and I just loved it. Worked my first summer there. I had a blast, made so many friends, loved working on the rides. Um, they used to occasionally need to send people, workers, to different rides, and some people just didn't want to leave their crew. I loved every opportunity I could go and experience a different ride. It was a blast. Um, the next summer worked at Son of Beast and Top Gun, And I loved that. That was so much fun. I didn't realize at the time, of (laughs) course, that Son of Beast would become a defunct, kind of a legend coaster. Uh, So it was so much fun. I mean, working on two coasters, two great coasters that season. Next year, uh, I became a supervisor at Son of Beast and Top Gun. Loved that. And then uh, my last season at Kings Island, I worked at uh, Firehawk and Flight of Fear, as a supervisor there at Flight of Fear. Yes. And I just had a blast. I mean, all those rides had, a lot of them had been a big deal to me as a kid, as a guest, and then to get to work at them was fantastic. So um, entering into my my college days was kind of a moment of me trying to figure out, like so many, uh, what do I want to do with my life? And I knew I loved theme parks and didn't know exactly what capacity. But as I started going down that road in college, I learned of, I went to the University of Cincinnati. I I, um, learned of a major there called Industrial Design. It's in their uh, College of Design, Arts, Architecture, and Planning. And through that, learned of this world of uh, themed entertainment design and got to do a few internships in that realm. I worked for a semester with uh, Walt Disney Imagineering working on the Toy Story Mania ride at Hollywood Studios down in Orlando. That was a great experience. Um, Worked for a semester with a group in Cincinnati called BDR Design or Bruce D. Robinson Design Group. They do theme park design, uh, museum design. At that time, we were working on, one project was a ropes course at Dollywood. It was Adventure Mountain. And uh, they've closed that course since then, but, it it's now where um fire chaser express is and uh some of the kind of platforms and rock work that the coaster goes through they were originally for that ropes course so that was a a cool experience to be exposed to that yeah um i worked a couple semesters um at a jra or jack ross associates design firm in cincinnati another group Mm -hmm. um doing really cool work internationally domestically with theme park design museum design And, um, then worked a couple semesters at a group called the Hetema Group. It's a group run by Phil Hetema, who has uh, a lot of history with Universal Parks, but that was out in California. So, uh, around the time college was wrapping up, um, I was looking for a job and that's also around the time the Lord, uh, led me to my now wife, incredible woman, Heather. We've been married for 12 years now and, uh, that's, that's been an awesome journey, but, um. The Lord opened up at that time a door for me to do freelance work with Jack Rouse Associates, JRA. I did that for about a year, uh, working on museum projects and theme park projects, which was so much fun. It was awesome. But uh, during the course of that year, I uh, I kind of just felt like I the things I was doing, uh, and not to say that the Lord couldn't use someone in, in a scenario like this, but for me. I just felt like every day I was going to work to help build a secular theme park that didn't really have an eternal end goal. And uh, and I'm not saying, I mean, I love, I love secular theme parks, uh, um, but mm-hmm. for me, it just didn't feel like that was uh, the place where the Lord was calling me to be. So after a lot of prayer and processing, I left uh, JRA and I went uh, into seminary, went to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky and uh, had a blast. That was a whole different kind of experience, a lot of learning and and growth. But during that time, Heather, my wife, uh, became pregnant with our now oldest son. And uh, so at that time, when when she was expecting, I just felt like I would really love to be able to provide uh, for my growing family. And during seminary, I was was a full-time student. Heather, she was um, making money as she could um, but with the new baby on the way, I was praying that the Lord may open a door. And it was at that time that the Lord opened the door for me to work for Answers in Genesis. And uh, that's the group behind the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum. So it was really cool how the Lord's timing worked out. But now I will have been at AIG for 10 years in a couple months. Wow. And uh, when I first came on board, the Ark Encounter was the big project. It was 2014, when I came on board, we opened the Ark in 2016. So there was two years there of uh, a lot of designing along with the whole design team, exhibits and props, and that was a blast. And since we've opened the Ark, it's been great to see the growth there and and, uh, expansion. (laughs) And and then also at the Creation Museum, our sister uh, attraction, uh, we've been able to update that property as well. So um, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, some of the adventures the Lord's let me be on. Nice.
0: And then going back to your um, story there, it really began at King's Island. It did. Uh, it what pretty- were some of your, yeah, hey, it's an awesome park. I, we all three of us have in common. We love that park and yeah. it's our home park. So what have what's been your favorite attraction from when you had your first visit there to now? What's been your favorite one that you got to ride and which one was your favorite
1: to work? Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's a great question. A curveball I mean, there. <laughs> oh, man. there's As you guys know, there's so many great rides, and they, there's so many good memories connected to, to all of them. One of my favorite memories, maybe for nostalgia, I might say one of my favorites is Flight of Fear. Um, one of my favorite memories was when it opened in 1996. I was uh, young enough that it was a truly scary experience. I remember waiting in the queue line, and I waited because the ride was, when it first opened, it was shut down a lot. So, because of it being yeah. shut down, it was a long wait. And uh, so, I sat in that UFO room for a long time with, with my dad. <laughs> and when we finally got to ride it, I had never had any experience like that. That launch into that yeah. spaghetti bowl of track. So, that's a special memory in my mind that I hope I never lose. Um, that That's up there. I mean, I'll always love... Uh, <laughs> The Beast, of course, a legendary classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think working, it may have been Son of Beast uh, just because of, I mean, I look back and I think, man, it was so cool that Kings Island in the new millennium went for a crazy ride like that, that they built it. And there's never yeah. been one quite built like that since. So I really took for granted the time I had there. I didn't know it was just going to be a short-lived ride and uh, i mean but i think back to it it was just so massive and uh every part about it was huge so i had to say that was probably my favorite ride to to work at nice yeah yeah son of beast is just
0: that nugget of king's island history that it's always going to be there yeah even though it's not there it's it's there it's and so true they have that little memorial and banshee yeah. and everything and <laughs> right
1: yeah 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 But uh,
0: what was it like working in the Paramount era of Kings Island and uh, just the
1: time there? So the first three out of four seasons, I think it was the first three out of four were Paramount years that I worked there. And I was there during the transition to Cedar Fair. Um, I mean, I feel like those were some of the heydays of the Paramount times. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so I was in the action zone a lot during that time, 2003, 2004, 2005. And um, I just felt like the Action Zone in particular was really working thematically at that time. I mean, Paramount had mm-hmm. turned it, changed it from the Adventureland type theme to Paramount. And, you know, with Face Off and Congo and Drop Zone, Top Gun, all these Paramount themes, um, they, it worked. Um, since then, I feel like now that area is a little bit of a, in an identity crisis. Um, but, yeah. um, yeah, you know, Paramount was the, the brand I grew up in at King's Island. So I enjoyed the rides that embrace more of the Paramount, um, franchise like Outer Limits, Flight of Fear and Tomb Raider and Italian job Stunt track. Um, I've, I've heard that the people who went there before Paramount and now have seen it come back to Cedar Fair they appreciated it coming back to Cedar Fair. And, and I can see now in hindsight how, if you'd grown up w- without the Paramount brand, when Paramount came and took over, that could have been quite a shift. I mean, they, for, for better or worse, Paramount had quite an impact. Uh, that's still there to this day. Um, that in some cases, it kind of messed up the original themed lands there. Um, so for me, I grew up in it and I enjoyed it. I remember when Cedar Fair took over, From my perspective, just as a ride operator, there wasn't a ton of changes. I think, I remember there were some wardrobe things that changed a little. It was a little more strict, it felt like, but that was, I mean, a a good thing in the big picture. They were wanting a high-quality experience for guests. Um, But it wasn't anything radical from the level I was at. It it felt pretty similar to what it did when it was Paramount.
0: Yeah. Cool. And from a... Theme park designer attractions uh, mind. What has been the best themed attraction King's Island has had? Whether it was a land, a ride, or what would you say is this is mm. probably the best that King's Island has ever done?
1: Oh, that's a great There's question. quite a few
0: options, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's been fun to see in the times where Cedar Fair has even um, implemented some themed areas. I think of Adventure Port this past uh, yeah season or like mystic timbers um but i think for king's island in my mind it's 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 between flight of fear and tomb raider and i think Mm -hmm. i mean they're both great rides i i might go with tomb raider um yeah though it's that's a really hard call but uh, i mean both of them for a regional theme park both those rides i think were really um great uh Great pieces of work. I mean, it's not Disney level, of course, Mm -hmm. but um, it was really cool I remember when Tomb Raider opened uh, The year before it opened just Siebert. He was like the big PR guy there at Kings Island And he was promoting Mm -hmm. this mysterious dark ride and I had no idea what to expect on opening day And I was so excited and they had the big cave there you go in and it was such a mystery and I was so impressed each level of the queue line um, I didn't know what was going to happen, and the way the the doors like would slide open, and they had all those like figures there in the one part, and um, I, the ride itself to me was a little bit of a letdown. I was expecting, I didn't yeah. know what to expect. Um, so the first time I rode it, I was like, "Is that it? Is there, is there more to this?" Um, <laughs> but in terms of this all the theming, it was pretty cool uh, what what they did there with Tomb Raider, and uh, I wish that they would they would use that building for more than just a haunt maze for a couple of months or so out of the year. Um, But yeah, that that was pretty cool ride. Yeah.
0: And you kind of mentioned it, that uh, actions go, action zone is going through like an identity crisis right now. It's, it's kind of like a just concrete slab. Yeah. If you could design that, redesign that area, what would you like it to be? And
1: keep in mind, Six Flags might be coming in here soon. I know. You know, that is so So. interesting. That is so interesting. So, um, I mean, as as you guys know, that area has seen a few different themes throughout its history. Um, uh, (laughs) Some of its earlier roots with more of this, like, African safari adventure theme, which I thought that was really cool. Um, and, And then the Action Zone, which when it opened, when the Action Zone became Action Zone, I think they pulled it off. And that was very cool. They embraced that. But when Banshee came in later, I felt like that was a moment that on its own, Banshee had a cool theme, but mixing it with uh, themes like Drop Zone and Delirium felt Mm -hmm. like there's a bit of discontinuity, kind of this like haunted graveyard kind of thing in the middle of uh, Action Zone. And so now it's, um, (laughs) it's kind of hard to know what's the right next step. I mean, you could even make a mini land. With the bat and the banshee, that's kind of this more haunted type area. Um, but you know, the whole Six Flags <laughs> Cedar Fair merger, I, I do not prefer uh, DC Comics coming into Cedar Fair parks. Um, I, and I really don't, but it is interesting. You could, I mean, if, if King's on wanted to, that could kind of present a solution to some of the dissonance in Action Zone because things like Drop Zone have kind of this big uh, um, kind of in-your-face vibrant feel and then Banshee has more of this uh, solemn um, uh, kind of that that graveyard feel. There are characters like Superman and Batman that could kind of parallel those and could kind of tie the whole area together. It's not my preference. Um, At at first, I would have thought it'd be great to bring back that adventure um, kind of African jungly feel, but then uh, Adventure Port opened and... And so it kind of feels like that's covered now. Uh, so that's interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know what Cedar Fair will do. It's been cool to see them invest in theming um, at Kings Island and other parks, and I hope they'll do that. Um, Action Zone is a big area, so whatever you do, it may require a, a pretty big, I mean, retheme if you're going to really do sure. that holistically. So it'll be fun to see what uh, what happens
0: there yeah and i've heard a lot of people throughout the dc idea as well batman making it gotham city or whatever
2: (laughs) ryan ryan has thought that too yeah i i really i kind of would be in support of it but just to give it some flavoring because see unlike you guys i haven't been going there quite as long i started going you know, I went there as a kid, like, every year with my family. But once I started getting into the coasters, I was 16 years old. It was 2016. And it was fine over there because uh, if, we used to have fun TVs. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of there, but they're not there. And we don't really know what they're doing with them. But at the time, they at least kind of had some cool pop yeah. music going on. And you at least had this, like, young, like, active feeling going on. Yeah in that area but in recent years I'm with the two of you. It is just yeah it looks it's tired. Awkward. And I would love I would love to see a DC or I mean I, I don't know if this is logistically possible, but what if they just expand it That would
1: be port? so cool. I mean I would be all in support of that. I love that theme. I think you could mm-hmm. modify the uh, the identities of the rides in action zone to to kind of fit that. It'd just be a major land. I mean, if you combine Adventure Port with Action Zone, that's, I guess, like the size of Coney Mall. Which, I mean, maybe that's not too big. That'd be really cool. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see that because that was my one. I don't want to like sound negative, but that was like my one takeaway from Adventure Port. Like, whoa, this was like this could fit (laughs) in someone's backyard. Like, this wasn't as big as I was expecting. Right. It was good. It was great. I just, it was like, whoa, like it's kind of there and there. And then the outside of it, you know, you got that Coney Mall area that's been that way for years. And the other side, you lead an action zone. So it's kind of like you got old and tired, old and somewhat tired. Yeah. And then boom, Adventure yeah. Port right in the middle. When
1: they opened Adventure so. Port, I didn't know if that was going to just totally um, replace Oktoberfest. But I think that the mm-hmm. Viking Fury and House are still – Considered in Oktoberfest, if I if I understand right. Um, so they just kind of, it's like the original lands are being kind of split up into smaller pieces, um, which is cool. But uh, yeah, Adventure Port is yeah. kind of small. And it kind of, Oktoberfest almost blends
0: into Adventure Port almost. You, you yeah. got the ship and you got the little pond out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the thing with Action Zone is it's the first thing you see when you pull up to Kings Island. You see Face Off and yeah, Virgo, whatever you call it now, mm-hmm. and then that's the first land next to the Kings Island theater. It's like, yeah,
1: yeah it spruce it up a little bit, but it's it's such an impression yeah, there when you're walking down and Delirium's right in front of you. Um, and I wonder what like the future in terms of rides looks like for Action Zone. Like I've thought mm-hmm. for a while, like how much longer does Invertigo have there? um and then that's that's in a prime real estate area i mean for in terms of the entrance of the park like as you before you even enter in the park and looking at what like cedar fair did with uh fury 325 kind of going right over carowind's entrance mm-hmm. is there an opportunity to do something big and flashy right in the front of the park there
2: see i've always been hung up on that myself and that's the one thing about King's and I think people are quick to forget how much land they still have mm -hmm. to use. So, you know, they... I mean, this is controversial, but they could have went bigger with Orion. They didn't, but they could have. They had plenty more space back there. They've got all the land up into the river Mm -hmm. back there, which is quite a few acres. But we still got that vortex spot Mm -hmm. open, too. So it's it's a serious toss-up where they... I, I would think... You know, removing one of the most iconic coasters in the park would probably right. be their first priority is getting that fixed. And I also think, uh, within Vertigo, because it's such a cheap ride to maintain, and now that Stinger's gone from Dorney Park, they have the extra train to work with in the off season. I I think it's just gonna be a crowd eater for years to come. Yeah. I, I, I would yeah. I want it to go. I want something better, but I, I don't think I it's feel the same way. Certainly. I mm-hmm. feel
1: like it's probably not their top priority. Um, I would agree that I bet Vortex Plot would be their next major coaster location, and uh, yeah. on, on Orion, I mean, I don't know all the considerations. I feel like if they had, just like you said, if they had turned that lift hill ninety to, 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 the degrees and headed towards the little Miami River there, they could have gone back in the woods, and it could have been like. The Beast, but uh, Giga Coaster style. I don't know why they didn't do that. I don't know if there's um,
2: sound complaints uh, out there. So
1: It wasn't supposed to be
2: ours. This is, the, this is mm-hmm. the conspiracy behind it. And for the longest time, we were told that it came from California's okay. Grin America and that the reason, keep in mind, this is 2020, yeah. 2021. Mm-hmm. The reason why it didn't happen was because of some quote, earthquake structural hmm. issue debacle. And I think, you know, now that we got the news last year about California's Great yeah, America being yeah. sold, it makes me wonder if that is the real reason that design was moved to wow. King's Island. So there's a whole can of worms. I guess no one's yeah. going to really know, but I, I think after that purchase, that was kind of my green flag to kind of lean towards that. Sure. It would yeah. make
1: sense. Yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah.
0: Hmm. But yeah, it the future for Kings Island is bright. You've got Camp Snoopy coming next yeah. year, which is again that theming. Who knows how good it's going to be. Like, yeah. you've got all these other Cedar Fair parks with it and uh just that nice plot of land back there, but um from Kings Island, that kind of grew your passion for the themed attractions industry and going into college and doing that. And then even going to Disney to work on toy Story mania. So that's where your attraction experience began. And then let's move towards um, uh, um, answers in Genesis. Uh, You got there. What was one of your first projects that you had with uh, answers in Genesis and even the arc encounter?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I started working at AIG in 2014 and they were, um, big into and continuing to grow and design for the Ark Encounter. The Ark had been promoted at that time. Fundraising was underway. And so the design of the exhibits was was a big deal. Um, I was tasked to design a number of the exhibits in the Ark. Uh, a lot of them have in common props. If, if you've been to the Ark, there's a lot of props. I mm-hmm. was one of the first the first big things I was asked to do was to design a whole host of props. And through those, we're telling stories. We're telling a narrative about who Noah and his family are, what they would bring with them on the ark. Um, So boxes and rope and bags and fabrics and Mm -hmm. food containers and all kinds of things where we want to create uh, the most real experience we can because we believe the biblical biblical account of the, the flood is true. And so, I had never had the opportunity to spend years, along with the whole design team, thinking about Noah's Ark, the real account, like what Noah had to bring with him, (laughs) uh, what he would have wanted to bring with him to remember the pre-flood world, um, perhaps good things um, um, from God's creation. So, um, and I'll just add to that one little thing. So, um, this is really a testament to God, but my boss uh, at the time when I came on at AIG, his name was Patrick Marsh. And Patrick had worked mm-hmm. um, at Universal Studios in Florida um, the King Kong ride, the Jaws ride. And um, through some of the the internships I had done, this was all God orchestrating this, but I had met some people along the way who had worked with Patrick back at Universal. And that had kind of served to make that connection for, for me to, to work at AIG. But uh, Patrick... He's in my mind. He's a legend. I mean, he's he's just so cool. Done yeah. so many amazing things. An amazing believer and just incredible designer. But he went to be with the Lord. It's been two years now. I can't believe it's flown by. Um, but his legacy. He was. He is. I mean, he, he was uh, really kind of the Walt Disney um, uh, of AIG, taking our CEO Ken Ham's uh, vision and really turning it into the theme attractions that we have. His Patrick's legacy is continuing on uh, beyond his life here on Earth as we continue to open up new attractions that he was really the, the inspiration for. And I, that's one of my questions was about Patrick.
0: What's What was it like working with Patrick and was some of the best advice and things you picked up from him mm. with your time uh, you got to spend with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was like, I to me, being a theme park nerd, I felt like I got to go to work every day and be with, like, uh, Michael Jordan or, or Elvis or someone that someone mm-hmm. else would think is like so cool. I was like, <laughs> I get to work with Patrick Marsh, this like legendary theme park designer. <laughs> and it never yeah. got old. Like he um, he's he just had such a, uh, a big personality. Uh, he was passionate about high quality and about doing designs for the Lord. His heart for the Lord Man. was awesome. I mean, he was so passionate. He could... Man. He could be like a motivational speaker. He'd get our whole team excited about what we're doing. And he would always keep that vision in front of us about that what we're doing is impacting individual lives. People are coming and and, and seeing things they've never seen before and coming into contact with the Lord, uh, with with the, the, the gospel, with scripture, and uh so he was amazing and I think so much of what we have at the Ark and at the Creation Museum are due to his dedication. I mean his his big thing, his kind of what Uh, often he's remembered by is he would say everything speaks and that may not be original to him but it was something that he ingrained in us and the idea is that every detail counts Um, and so for us in, in attraction design that that means that we don't just get by with whatever we can open with and people won't even notice whatever no we we go the extra mile to add those details uh, into all the exhibits the easter eggs um the historical Teachers that maybe not everyone sees, but some people do, and I mean that's the kind of stuff I love when I go to a Disney park or Universal Park. All those little story elements added. Um, So he uh, he really kind of built in us that expectation for highest quality. Uh, So yeah, nice. And
0: uh, what were some of the? Was a favorite memory you had with him? Whether it was a project or just. Um, working with him side by side throughout the day or just interacting
1: with him? Oh man, there's, there's a lot of, of special moments. Um, It's funny, like this would be with anyone, but we didn't know when the Lord was going to take him. And so in hindsight, it made all the, um, after the Lord took him, it made all just the kind of mundane, normal memories, all that more special. But, um, I mean, we would, he would take us on research trips down to Disney and Universal. And, I mean, those are really special <laughs> times. I mean, um, to, to kind of see what he wanted us to see, um, he would point out to us attractions uh, that worked well, that didn't work well. And it was a source of inspiration for the work that we do. Um, I, there was a project we opened um a year ago at the Creation Museum called Fearfully Wonderfully Made. It's a Sanctity of Life exhibit, and uh, I was kind of tasked to head that one up, and he was the one who asked me if I would do that, and I mean, that's a Mm -hmm. special memory to remember him sitting there and asking me if if I would take that on. And of course, it was the whole team that brought it all together, but but there was some special encouragements along the way um, that he shared that it was just really special. Um, he would pray for our team and he would pray with passion. <laughs> I mean, he would pray, um, <laughs> uh, it was, it was just really cool. Another one, um, uh, we've, we've had a number of different concepts for rides and attractions. And one of those is, uh, is, is a dark ride concept. And there it's, it, the, the concept for it has evolved over time, but, uh, we had a, A ride group vendor come in from Japan and meet with us and uh, Patrick some of his history was uh, after he worked at Universal he moved to Japan to do some theme park design over there before coming to uh, to work on the Ark and the Creation Museum so it was really cool to meet this ride vendor group with Patrick he could speak their language kind of thing they had some common (laughs) uh, uh, kind of attractions they were aware of and had worked on together and uh, just to be in and a meeting like that with him was, was really special. So, uh, I, I think I caught a lot more from him than he officially taught, but now that he's gone, I think back all the time to like how would Patrick handle this situation or that design decision, or I think back to him a lot. Awesome.
0: And, uh, with that, uh, I was going to ask about uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, um, We're going to talk some about your projects and what's going on at the Ark and Creation Museum, but go ahead and talk about that one while we're um, thinking about that.
1: Sure. I mean, what's really cool about our attractions is there's, we have a number of different exhibits and um, with each one, there's a new opportunity for a different genre. Um, So this is just one of of a lot. I mean, you may know we have a lot of um, more historical or archeological um, based um, eg- eg- exhibits this one is not that um, so this is a sanctity of life exhibit and uh, really what it what it seeks to do is to show the gift of life and the amazing gift of life that God has designed and to each individual human being. Um, a big part of the mm-hmm. exhibit was was really based on one of our PhD speakers. his name is, uh, is dr. David minton and, and he would give for for years now he, he gave talks, um, speeches, teachings on the subject matter um, of, of the sanctity of life. So we worked a lot with him, uh, which was awesome. And he went to be with the Lord around the same time Patrick did, which was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the exhibit's kind of a legacy of, of, of Dr. Minton from more of like a medical and message standpoint. And it's kind of a legacy of Patrick in terms of how to translate a message like that into an immersive experience. So, the approach we took in the exhibit was, um, it, it kind of centers around uh, a number of small-scale, well, a- actual size, in a lot of cases, baby models, models of little babies from uh, mm-hmm. from fertilization up to full term. And so, what was really cool, what I loved, uh, especially about this project, was it was an opportunity to um, to show the message of God's design for life, but in a kind of like a theme park style way. So we have some cool special effects in there. We have Pepper's Ghost over 12 baby models where we're able to to animate, overlay on of these physical models, animations of different organs or developing features in each uh, baby, like a beating heart or skeletal structure or brain. That was so fun. I mean, that's like uh, inspired by Haunted Mansion and the and, uh, other, yeah. uh, at least that that, that effect is. <laughs> Um, and then we yeah. have this large, uh, four times size actual, uh, four four times size the actual size of a baby, a 35 week old baby. So it's this huge <laughs> baby model uh, that we did some projection mapping on to show the movement of blood through from the placenta through the umbilical cord. So we got to do some really fun stuff like that. Uh, but the message is what's so core, and that's that God has designed our lives, and that um, He offers grace. And forgiveness. We all have a fearfully, wonderfully made story. We end the exhibit with some uh, really touching um, and hard to walk through, but important uh, messages and issues. We have uh, monitors, large monitors at the end that have people who we filmed sharing their their stories. Um, One's about uh, um, uh, adoption as a godly alternative. Um, So, we look at uh, a man and wife who have adopted children and just their heart. One, uh, we, we met this woman, her name's Claire Colwell, who shares her story and she has an incredible story. Um, I don't have time to go into all of it, but uh, it's, a, it's a story about um, her own mother's attempt to abort her when Claire was in her mother's mm-hmm. womb and how that, that failed, how Claire lived, was adopted, forgave her mother, was reunited with her, her birth mother and has has accepted Christ, and now her birth mother's accepted Christ. So it's it's a beautiful Amen. exhibit about grace and forgiveness and life. Um, it was a blast to be a part of. That's awesome, and
0: uh, it's, that whole theme flows throughout the Creation Museum of just the story of God's grace. Yeah, um, we didn't deserve it. It's that um, I know Ken Ham emphasizes it's the the first and last Adam
1: amen and
0: that's the first it started with the first adam where everything was messed up but it was the last adam that came that offered that forgiveness and that life not just from birth but rebirth in him so yes that's awesome and uh uh, what are some of those other projects at uh either the creation museum or the ark that um just have stuck out to you um and just mean so much to you what are some of those
1: yeah, so um, I think back to some of the projects we did on the arc when we first opened. That whole um, opening of the arc was such a memorable experience. Uh, we had a towards the end of of the, getting it open, uh, we had an intense deadline. Um, I think it was I forget now July something when we opened I believe June or July I think it's July of twenty sixteen and uh, leading up to that date oh my goodness. It was insane. We just had so much to get done. And we were working six days a week. We were working long. I slept in the ark a couple of nights just because uh, <laughs> we I was staying there so late. and I just had to be back there the next morning. And I mean, the thing was we wanted to be there. We had all poured so much mm-hmm. into the design of these exhibits. We wanted to see them open. And so um, it was exhausting, but uh, we, we wanted to be there. And, and in a sense. So um, some of my favorite of those exhibits we opened, one, it, it was it's kind of simple in a way, but Noah's Library, it's uh, just a small mm-hmm. portion of the ark. And kind of the idea, the question that we're answering there is, what would Noah have wanted to bring with him from the pre-flood world? Of course, we know from the Bible, it was a wicked time when the flood came. So was, I'm sure there's a lot Noah would have wanted to forgotten and not brought. But were there some things he would have wanted to bring, maybe um, in some ways, elements reflective of God's good creation or information. I mean, uh, so so we, we show in that area, Noah's library, a series of scrolls where um, we created this Noah language. It's just coded English, but we, we depict <laughs> yeah. in Noah language that perhaps uh, there was categories of, I mean, scrolls that Noah could have brought with him, like animal studies. As he maybe studied animals, he or his family members before uh, or during the the time he was developing their their cage systems, or plant studies, or mechanisms, or genealogies, or heroes of Walter, who knows what Noah would have brought with him? So we have a number of props amongst those scrolls in there. I always thought that was a really cool um, kind of idea. What would he have brought with him? So there's a number of other exhibits uh, that were fun to be a part of. Um, there's this queue line under the ark that we, we have props around, kind of setting you up for the floods coming, and, and there's cargo that Noah would have brought with him, and there's construction elements there. That was fun. Uh, we show on the ark Noah's Workshop and Blacksmith. It was fun to be a part of those. There was a little kids exhibit we call the Kids Spooky Animal Encounters, which is really just a fun <laughs> kids activity, but that was fun to be a part of. Um, so the ark, it was a blast. Um, since we opened that our team has spent a lot of time now focused on the creation museum and over the last few years we've updated a lot of parts of the creation museum i think that's for some of our i guess i would say our team's strongest work is right now showcase it's just a lot of our most most recent work um we have an exhibit called relevance of genesis uh, that i was a part of that was a lot of fun we've set it up like this whole reclaimed Industrial building and uh, it's just another example of how it's fun to have all different types of exhibits different genres different visual styles we did an exhibit called biblical authority at the museum which That was led by one of our awesome designers that may be I think are the the one of the strongest exhibits that we've ever pulled off um, And we're working on a lot of future projects right now a lot are in the mix, which is always fun. So yeah, there's just a whole variety Awesome man. I love what you did
0: to update the museum too. It's cool. been there since two thousand four, two
1: thousand seven, two officially opened. Um, uh, okay, but it was it was in the works for years there, and I mean people were coming hours mm-hmm. before the the official opening. Yeah, but it's just neat to see
0: the progression that God's brought from there and just the new exhibits that came in, including that industrial one that you just cool. talked about. I've seen pictures, but have never experienced it in person. It's been cool. a while since I've been to the museum, but yeah, uh, it's just neat to see the Lord's hand and all that. But yeah, um, What are some of the things we can look forward to in 2024 um, at both properties and just the ministry in general? Yeah, we
1: have a number of um, projects in the works right now. It's really an exciting time. Um, so we just tomorrow, we're going to be opening up a new exhibit at the ARC, kind of a soft opening today, but tomorrow's kind of the, the big official one where we've, um, I'll include it in 24. I hope that's okay. Cause we're, we're here at the end of 23. You're fine. <laughs> we were, uh, we were donated a, a number of small model ARCs from around the world. And, uh, it's, so it's a display of these ARCs from around the world and how, Um, we all go back to Noah and so the the message of the flood um, is we all have a connection to it so it's cool to see how the ark has impacted cultures around the world so uh, our team's put together a beautiful um, exhibit based on on those that opens tomorrow Um, we're working on a uh, protoceratops exhibit which is that's a kind of dinosaur which this exhibit will be coming to the creation museum and um, It will be showing uh, kind of a drowning scene, uh, which is trying to capture kind of a snapshot in time during the flood, showing uh, rapid fossilization. Um, So our teams are working on Mm -hmm. these incredible protoceratops sculptures, Um, both our content team to make sure the anatomy is correct. The the artisans, the fabricators, they're all pulling this together. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be so, so cool. So looking forward to that um also at the museum we have an area towards the end of the whole museum experience called palm plaza and this is an area where guests can kind of get a bite to eat sit back relax there's some auxiliary exhibits and we're working on a show for this space right now it's not like a theater show it's more of a, a we, we've kind of thought of it kind of like you know how the fest house at king's Island has that uh glockenspiel kind of a show out front where the characters come out every mm-hmm. every once in an hour it's that kind of a thing just not that theme okay. but it's that kind of style where uh, you'll be sitting at the at the museum in palm plaza dining and then all of a sudden the lights will go down and there'll be this really cool projection on the wall and uh, some interactive features throughout the room uh, there'll be some windows nice. that their shutters open so we're working on that and so that should be a lot of fun uh, but then we're also working on some projects that uh, we won't be opening in 24, but they're long, uh, long-term projects that uh, we'll be actively working on during 24. So um, these are things like uh, we're, we're opening a new welcome center at the ARC Encounter. This will uh, change guests' first experience of the ARC. It'll mean a new bus drop-off location that we, we bus people from the parking lot to the ARC and so we'll be rechanging that whole first experience. Um, it'll be cool. I mean, it's, when you hear of Welcome Center, it's kind of like, eh, okay. But we have some really cool immersive uh, themes, a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff in mind with that. And um, right now, construction has just begun. Um, uh, it's just beginning, really, the building's coming out of the ground, but uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we're also working on a large. Um, scale model of first century Jerusalem. So if you picture like human figures like this big, uh, 1 to 100 scale, but the model will be very large for a diorama. It'll be about 35 feet by 55 feet. We'll have uh, some pathways that go through the middle of it so you can kind of appreciate different elements. But this is first century, so the time of Jesus, we'll have uh, Herod's temple will be a big part, Golgotha. Um, so it'll be a big new um, feature that our team is working actively on right now. It's just it'll take years to, to to do that. And then beyond that, we have other other dreams of future things. And the further out <laughs> we go, you know there's always it's it's uh, things could change, but um, in terms of yeah. big picture plans, but um, reach the next generation is a big theme in our minds. And so we have that in mind as we're looking at what attractions we could. Um, develop. And I'm excited about about all those kind of future projects.
0: Awesome. And like the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And it sounds like uh, Ken Ham and the team at Answers in Genesis have got that master vision plan. And it's cool to see that unfold and just little things here and there, even just um, the Palm Plaza area, getting that uh, revamp and that addition is, it's just neat. So cool. Very cool. Keep
2: it up guys. They're awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You're making me excited to get me back too, because I have actually, uh, in 2017, shortly after I became a Christian, I went to my first ever Christian concert, which Sweet. was winter jam. And the way, the way my youth pastor at the time set up our retreat, it was supposed to be our winter retreat. And we were going to go to perfect North the next day. And, uh, that weekend, it got into the 60s. <laughs> it was crazy, but it got into the low 60s. So we tabled that, and we ended up going to the Ark Encounter the first half of the day before Winter Jam, then the concert. And when I went to the Ark, I, I had no clue. I was like, the Ark Encounter? And they're like, yeah, it's, the way it was described me, It was like, it's basically this big model of the Ark. I'm like... We got animals inside or something. And I I go in there. Well, first of all, I walk up to it. No, I walk up to it. We rode to it, as you mentioned. You know, I remember the bus stop. It was the outside bus stop. And we ride up to this thing. And as we get closer to it, I'm like, good lord, this looks like it took <laughs> as long as the real one. And you uh you kind of walk up to it. I think there's a pond yeah. around it, if I remember correctly. And yeah, you, know, you walk over the little wooden bridge. You go in and you just start – you go in at the ground, if you guys have never been there. You enter at ground level. So it's like walking into something you don't even know what you're about to get yourself into. And it's, oh, it's so intricately done that you don't realize it's going to be an entire museum when you first walk in. Because you're going through – the very first thing you experience is what he had, – Alan had mentioned earlier is the, you know, Noah and, like, the plans and the progress and how he got the animals together. And there's little cut – cutouts, that's not the right word. There's, uh, I guess, sculptures of all of the figures. And you walk through and you see the progress. And the next thing you know, like, you're going up the entire length of this arc in, like, a spiral staircase – and it's nothing, but I, I, I would I don't even want to say museum. It's like factual mm-hmm. evidence that Christ, it came and he, like, obviously, the my biggest takeaway from the Ark specifically was hammering down the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Like, let's put this on display. Let's give you as much evidence that everything in Genesis did happen. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Like, I need to go yeah. back. And I just figured I'd share that for those who probably have not been there because a lot of people I know yeah. haven't, and it's sad. Cool. And, man,
0: just the Ark Encounter, I remember the first time I went there too, just the scale of it. You read the dimensions in the Bible, but to see those dimensions before your eyes is just like, wow. <laughs> and uh, it's a – it's a park of biblical proportions and uh, <laughs> man, it's, it's so neat. And it's one of those, I haven't been to the Ark or creation museum in quite some time. And I do want to get back out and see that all. Um, so if you're listening to this, I've never been to either one of these amazing attractions. I strongly encourage you go see it. it it's worth your time. It is worth um, the money that you pay to get into there. And it, it's worth, it's worth it. Um, and I, I think Alec can attest to this too. You cannot spend one day there. You might need several days to get through it. There's so much to take your time and read and look and um, just absorb. And it, it's straight from scripture. It's it's top notch, high quality stuff. This is, it's amazing.
2: And specifically for the Ark, I I noticed, well, Donnie noticed and he passed it to me. Fortunately, I couldn't make any of the dates last year but there was a lot of christian entertainment mm-hmm. going on and some names that are definitely in the ccm scene like i think jordan or Feliz kane was, was there, there and you had renee and uh, kane was there so is that something do you know much about that is that something you guys look forward yeah. to continuing i don't to do, know or? as
1: much about about some of the entertainment things but i i know that that will continue uh, we have a series of uh conferences and concerts and things one i guess our biggest annual concert thing we call 40 days and 40 nights of uh christian worship or something like that i, I believe and yeah. i know they get a lot of uh a lot of bands in for that we've done it a few years and i assume that'll that we'll want to continue doing that
2: yeah yeah, I just, I just happened to think about that, and I was like, well, there's something else yeah, worth yeah. mentioning.
1: Yeah, we opened our auditorium there. We call it the Answer Center. It's been a few years, maybe four years ago or so, and um, it's pretty big, and I don't know if we... I guess we were... I was surprised how full they keep it. They have, like I said, conferences and uh, concerts and all kinds of groups in there, and uh, it, it seems like it's always always something that's cool going on and it's not just like not only for stuff you have to register for but every day with the arcs open they have shows going on you can just walk in hear someone give a talk or they'll play a little movie or whatever they have a huge led wall in there so it's 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 really cool and one of the things currently going on at the Ark
0: and Museum is Christmas Town and Christmas at the Ark Encounter. And if you can't tell, this is being recorded in December. This is January, but um, definitely check that out in December. It's well done. You get to see all these lights on all the uh, the attractions there. You get to see uh, live nativity and mm-hmm. some um, live shows there of different people giving accounts. I think there's a... Temple Guard, I remember. Um, one of the Magi and things like that is so cool. And yeah, uh, definitely next December, check that out. And, yeah. Uh, did absolutely. you have any part with that creation?
1: Um, no, not not that directly. Though some people on our team um, do and and did um, at both the Ark and the Museum. Uh, like you said, we're in Christmas mode right now, so you can still go. It's up until <laughs> there's select dates up until Christmas. Uh, but the lights look awesome at uh, both both the Ark and the museum. Um, I I just visited both for their Christmas events a uh, c- c- couple days ago. Um, like you mentioned at the museum, they have different dramas going on and they're awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, we have uh, some of our team members involved with, with those and some of the living history events um, as well. So yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I
0: think this um, brings our uh, interview here with Alan to a close. We thank you again so much for joining us, Alan. But um, I'm going to have Ryan um, share any questions he has. But one last question I have, actually two. This one's more of a fun one. But uh, you kind of mentioned a special project related to maybe one or two Universal rides uh, coming to the ARC Encounter in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The Tower of Babel.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, so this is kind of a prayer request too because um it's a uh, for a long time, um there's been a concept for could we build a replica of the Tower of Babel? And um in a similar way to how we've done with the Ark and we've we've thought through okay, how can we tell that account, that narrative and so one of the ideas has been, could we do it in a dark ride style, like at a Universal or Disney park? So we've, we've uh, over the last several years, we've been in, in touch with different uh, dark ride vendors and thought a lot about what that could be like. And it's, um, it's not the next thing on our list. And so uh, kind of our current thought is it may be years out and it's, you know, it's all concept right now. So it, it could change. Mm-hmm. It's on the Lord's hands. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for something really special that we could give guests that we don't currently offer, uh, if it could be some kind of a very dynamic experience. Um, so we're definitely learning from Disney and Universal, looking at uh, trends and thinking of how uh, we could be innovative in communicating uh, a message that, that shows the historicity of the Bible and the Tower of Babel, but also what we call the One Blood message. And that is kind of taking that narrative all the way to the New Testament yeah, to the, the, the message reminder. that Jesus died for people of every tribe and tongue um, and, and, and nation. So, as people dispersed long ago from the Tower of Babel, Jesus died for people yeah, of all those different uh, tribes who left dark from there. So, we'll see what the Lord has in store, but definitely excited <laughs> about what Here's that a could be like.
0: Send a Amen. And uh, one of the one of my last questions is one that we ask all of our guests. Um, What is some advice you would give to listeners who are um, seeking to pursue um, themed inner track, inner um, attraction, um, ride design and
1: theme park design? What would you give to them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I can only speak about the one life that God's given me. I'm sure there's a lot of different routes. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, really, I would say pursue what you love, what you're interested in, what God has put on your heart, and always make connections whenever you can. Um, not in a annoying way, but uh, if you have opportunities, <laughs> um, uh, those can always go a long way, and you never know how even years down the road those will come back and, and be a benefit. So the Lord's in all that. Um, I mean, for me, it looked like um, going to college and pursuing a degree that I enjoyed with a mind towards how I can apply that towards the theme entertainment industry and um, and, and, and seeking to kind of network with people in that world. Um, I I have a friend who took a different path than me. He's a ride engineer at Disney now. And, uh, but his story in some ways has parallels. He's He's doing engineering. I'm doing design. But we both were passionate about what we loved and and uh, sought to grow. And, and that a lot of people that I work with today, I mean, some went to college, some didn't. Some are way more gifted than me, and they never went to college. So that's not like college is a mandatory thing. But, I mean, I think some of the common denominators are just uh, pursuing what you love, always seeking to grow, and, and reaching out to those around you who are just a little a step ahead of you and in, in your journey and seeking to learn from them.
0: Amen. And then go ahead, Ryan, if you have any other questions, comments or anything.
2: That was a lot to take in, but I, I think one of the things that, honestly, what she just said, you know, college not being mandatory is something that a lot of people get twisted nowadays. Uh, I know plenty of people who go to college and, you know, they'll take anywhere from two to six years to get this or that type of degree and they'll end up getting beat out by some guy who's yeah, just simply better at the job right. and they might have just been a high school grad. And, um, you know, it's, as someone who's, I wouldn't say in the theme park industry, but very similar entertainment for sure. How, oh, I mean, with mentorship, were there ever times where you were just like, "Well, first of all, I guess let's ask this question." You, you did good. I, I, I did. College, yeah. Correct. Okay. So, were there were there moments even with college where it was just like, you felt like, like the you're at a dark place, you know, like you're hitting a dead end. I apologize. I'm on four <laughs> hours of sleep right now, guys. I'm just gonna be completely honest. It's been a long work day. The words are hard to come up with, but, uh, you know, I kind of ask this question every episode and were there moments you felt like you were going to give up and how did God get you through that, if so? I think that's the best way to at it. Oh, that's a great, great question.
1: I mean, um, one of the big answers for me was in college, I was blessed to be surrounded by a group of believers. Uh, I, I got involved in a college ministry and in a local church, and there was definitely hard times in college. Um, but the the friends around me, I mean, that was as, that shaped me as much as all the classes and stuff, I mean, and, and more so. I mean, uh, I'll forget a lot of the stuff I learned in school, but the, the stuff I learned from being with other believers, having a place I could pray and share my needs and get prayer and, and uh, just worship the Lord together with other believers, that was life-changing to me and still shapes my life. Uh, just thinking about those those times with uh, college friends. I lived in a, a house there with other believers, and we would, I mean, pray for each other, worship together. So that was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely hard times. Um, there were some confusing times, and that's a, that is a college is such a time, or just that age range, uh, where you're thinking about what's your purpose in life, what has God made you to do, I struggled with finding what to major in, and that was hard. I mean, because I didn't know. I I knew I I was interested in theme parks, but some of those earlier um, months of college, I guess, I was just trying to figure out, what does that mean? Do I want to be an engineer? Do I want to do something creative? And so just praying through all that uh, was, was trying. But on the other side of it, I just see the Lord's mercy throughout all of that.
2: Amen. Yeah, and the the biggest takeaway I get from that is community is yeah. extremely important oh, yeah. as a believer. And when you don't have those things and making sure that your community isn't just living a label too and that they're actually mm-hmm. trying to uplift you and hold you accountable, those are important things. Cause I mean I'm not gonna sit here and explain the whole story, but you know, I'm a college dropout and That's the difference between me and a lot of other people. You know, I had a lot of friends go to college. One became a nursing major. One went to sports medicine. One did this. One did that. And, you know, here's Ryan, you know. I have had Asperger's at the time. I mean, I still have it. And it was a challenge because I was just like, I don't think college is for me because I barely keep up with my homework in high school. But my grades were decent because I was solid at taking tests. Not great, but not bad. And I went, uh, I, I kind of thought the Lord was calling me into direct ministry for a time at Cedarville university. And I went and applied and actually got rejected. And it was because my ACT score was low. And, you know, me being the type of person I was, I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to pay and get this test back. I, I mean, that's all stuff I don't even know anyway. So I just asked the Lord, I'm like, where do you want me to go with this? And went to a community college, tried my best, flunked out by the grace of God. uh, We'll just say miracles happened to where I didn't have to pay for it. And I walked away from that semester knowing like, okay, this isn't where God wants me. And it's, it's the tall tale. Like I, there's no such thing as failure. I think God always has a purpose and a plan mm-hmm. for everyone. And I don't think anyone should get discouraged. And I, um, all that to say, like, I support what mm-hmm. you said there. It's it's an important message, um, and especially following passions. I feel like that's something in today's world we get kind of caught up in this idea of social slavery to an extent. Where it just feels like you go in and do the same thing over and over again. You can get burned out. And that's why we really need the Lord to um, hold us accountable. So those are all just some thoughts I had to bounce off of that. Uh, I've already bounced off my thoughts on the ark itself. Um, Honestly, I mean, we could sit here and talk Kings Island for hours on end, but in terms of this podcast, I don't think I have any further questions. All right. Awesome. But uh, thanks again, Alan, for joining us
0: tonight here on the River Your Life podcast. Um, uh, let's edit it this way. Uh, go ahead and share with our listeners how they can um, get connected with the Ark Encounter, Answers in Genesis, and uh, just some of the things you're doing. Uh, sure. How they get tickets and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for the invite tonight. This was so fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, If anyone's interested to come and visit uh, Northern Kentucky, we have the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky, and the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky. Those are two uh, uh, attractions we invite you to come and check out. We also have a lot going on online. I mean, we have, if you go on answersingenesis.org or on Facebook or Instagram, we have, Updates and posts about a whole host of things, but they include our projects. Uh, if you'd want to stay kind of up to date on some of the, the projects we're working on that I shared about earlier, you can go on there. Social media and uh, Ken Ham Answers and Genesis; those are different um, groups that have a, a social media presence, and they'll have updates uh, in the coming year and, and beyond. So, yeah,
0: awesome. Well, thank you again, Alan, and uh, we look forward to seeing what God's got in store for the future.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks again, Alan, for joining us this week on the Royal Podcast. It was truly a pleasure and honor to have you on just to talk about what God is doing in your life and in Answers in Genesis uh, ministry. And we look forward to seeing what he's going to do in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead until he returns. So thanks again for joining us there, Alan. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can join us for our first meetup of 2024 at the Answers in Genesis Art and Design Studio in Kentucky. Uh, It's absolutely free. All you have to do is just show up. But we do encourage you to go ahead and check out our social media pages and website to sign up, uh, just to help us get a head count of what to expect for that day. And then following that tour... Uh, which is absolutely free, we'll be heading over to the creation museum, which requires a ticket. So by helping us get a head count of who's coming, uh, that could help us potentially with getting some kind of discount on tickets. So uh, we need 15 plus to get that discount. So every single uh, notification of you coming helps us out greatly. So, Uh, if you have any more questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us and I'd be glad to answer any questions you have, clarify anything that needs to be clarified. But again, that's on Saturday, February 17th at 1 PM. And we'll give more, um, more details on that in the days to come leading up to the event. But uh, thank you all so much again for joining us this week here on the podcast and be sure to subscribe on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including YouTube. Um, so you don't miss an episode. You don't want to miss next week. We're going to be talking about a defunct Christian theme park that was in Orlando called the Holy land experience. we we'll are talk uh, a little bit about the history of the park uh, just uh, from start to end uh, and uh I'll also share some personal experience from visiting that park uh, many moons ago. So don't miss that. But uh, you can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube, like I said. And you can connect with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and X. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads at Rive Your Life Ministries. And you can find us on X at Royal, without the A, Ministries. And uh, we'd love to connect with you and just help you however we can, but most importantly, help to make Christ known in your life if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior. So with that being said, again, thank you all so much for tuning in this week, and we hope to see you next week here on the Royal Podcast. Peace! Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Ride of Your Life Podcast. We hope it's a blessing, help, and encouragement to you. You can connect with us here at Rive Your Life Ministries on Facebook, Instagram, threads, and YouTube at Rive Your Life Ministries. You can also find us on X at Royal Ministries. And that's Royal without the A. You can find us on our website at RiveYourLifeMinistries.com and you can text us at the Royal Hotline at 513-285-8319 and again that is 513-285-8319. We'd love to hear with you and connect with you and help you in your walk with Christ. You can also find us on the Fruitful Radio at the Royal Show each Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We take the best of the best from the podcast and bring it to you through the radio waves. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast streaming platform and also leave a review so that the word gets out to those who need to hear it. We hope you all have a great week and we will see you next Monday. God bless.